So this past week, I was away with my covenant group. Something that happens every spring and hired um, priest with many, many decades of experience. And what happens is we, we get together and basically do that. We get together and basically cry and complain and share about what life has really been like. No, just kidding. Sometimes we do have to do that. But a lot of times it's, you know, you check in. Everybody gets time and, and we go around and we check in. And uh, it's a longitudinal thing, right? It's not enough, but the benefit is the fact that you do this many years over time. So one of the guys, uh, is a friend of mine in this covenant group, wonderful guy, he's, he's about yay tall and he's big, strong, athletic, military, was a tight end in college, he's a college football team. Um, he's a gentle giant. He's the gentlest giant you'll ever meet. But he's a, but you know, he's a, he's a man's man kind of guy. He's, he's basically every good thinger, then he comes off. He's Southern, so he's, you know, he's got an accent, he's a little slow in speech, and, and, and so, you know, he's every good thinger, then, then maybe he comes off. He used to, I remember he used to talk about at his former church, he, he would take guys on these retreats, and they go hike. And they go on these hiking trips and they share and they get, you know, they get real around the fire. And he said, every year, every year we baptize guys in the creek pool. Every year there's somebody and new life has flummoxed the powers. The powers in the New Testament are many. They're not just spiritual and removed. They're the things that we humans do to order life. Things deeply personal that we do to order our lives, to protect ourselves or to get ourselves on top or whatever it is. Things we do socially, things we do structurally, things we do at every level. Things we humans do. Back, if you will, in the regular time in his having defeated the powers. So two weeks ago, we talked about how that works deeply inside ourselves, in our imaginations, in the tracks that, we're, that run through our lives of who we've been told we're supposed to be, and how we're freed from that to walk as a beloved child of God. Last week, we took on the big stuff, right? We took on the how these powers play out. Why does a good God who has loved the world this way allow nations to carry on doing the kinds of things that nations do. We tackled-ish that. This week, we're going to wrestle a little bit with how does Jesus, having defeated the powers, meet little tiny us in the midst of such a cruel world? We come to that this week in, in 1 Corinthians in the early chapters, chapter 1 and 2. Now, chapter 1 and 2 in 1 Corinthians are especially chapter two, one of the places where we run into Paul saying something that we tend to have misunderstood, right? You might remember on Easter Sunday, we talked about how Paul later in 1 Corinthians talks about the natural versus the spiritual. And we said that lo and behold, y'all, 
It's not actually saying that the natural means nature and created and is bad, and the spiritual means living, leaving all that. It's actually better translated as the powers, those things that just seem self-evident to us. Eh, just the way life works. Versus the spiritual being God's amazing self-giving love. It says, no, wake up, pay attention to the depths of the darkness, and love each other, and see where you've goofed that up. This time, we come now to the place where Paul has said a couple of things that have become famous, right? A couple of say, bumpers, nothing, but Jesus Christ and him crucified. So did you know that in the history of American church life, such as it has been, good and bad, all mixed together, there actually was a group at one point when the whole evolution thing started to happen who just decided to punt on the whole thing and they called themselves the know-nothings. I kid you not. They chose that label. We are the know-nothings. We're just not even going to think about that stuff. We're just going to sit over here and only talk about this. Right? Better maybe than some other possible options, but rather limited, no? This is also the place where Paul says, I came to you not with wisdom, but with spiritual power. Again, dualism. So we've taken these moments from Paul And there's been an anti-intellectual strand in a lot of American church life writ large, right? I mean, do you see that? Have you you felt that? Have you lived in that? Here's the amazing, crazy thing. Paul, in the very letters, this letter, 1 Corinthians, in which he said these things, has written his letter rhetorically in a structure that is subtly brilliant absolutely genius brilliant. So whilst we think Paul's saying, don't worry about using this part of yourself, he's doing it in such a way that's genius brilliant. He's doing it in a way that will intentionally speak to both Jewish scribes and Greek scholars, which in his world is no small feat. Now I don't have time to develop that for you, I can give you the resource if you want it, but just trust me for the moment. We'll roll on. So Paul then, in 1 Corinthians, in the second chapter, he's going to help us to understand how Jesus, having defeated the powers, meets us, little old us, in such a cruel world. He says, we do speak wisdom. He says, we do speak wisdom among the mature, those who can see but not a wisdom of this age, not the self-evident stuff, just seems that way, or of the rulers of this age, not the way that society tells you it has to be, who are perishing. They're perishing, he says. I mean, goodness, they're strong. I mean, they make the current we have to swim in all the time, and yet he says they are perishing. And what's amazing here. The the tense of this verb, this doesn't always happen, but here it does. The tense of this verb helps us tremendously. It's in what's called the present middle participle. Stay with me, it matters. The present, it's happening. Simple. It's happening now. They are perishing. They are being pushed back. The middle voice, this is what matters, right? Remember, right? I threw the ball. What kind of voice is that? Active. Why? Because I did it. Right? The ball was thrown to me. 
passive. I didn't do anything. I got whopped by the ball, right? Middle voice in Greek is I threw the ball and fell over while I did it. I'm somehow involved in it. I'm inherently wrapped up in it. The energy of the verb, whatever it is, affects me as well. So this is gospel. They're perishing because Jesus has given himself and perished. The energy of the action that dismantles the powers is that Jesus has chosen to be dismantled himself. It's gospel in the simple voice of the verb that Paul is using in the way he understands this. And it's a participle, which is simply a way of saying it's a noun verb. So friends, when we participate in the self-giving love of Jesus in ways that cost us, then we are living into who we are, noun verb, in him. And we are pushing back and dismantling the powers. Normally when my covenant group meets, we normally meet near Charleston. Pretty simple, you fly down the East Coast. This time, one of our guys is in El Paso. And for years, he's been saying, hey, look, guys, I'm tired of flying three flights to get here. You know, why don't y'all come to me one year? So this time we went to El Paso. Next time, we're just going to all give him 100 bucks <laughs> so he can fly first class. I don't know. But this time we went to El Paso, which was cool. I mean, I'm glad we did it. It was, it was fun. Now, I didn't know this quite about El Paso. El Paso sits smack on the border. And on the other side of the border is Juarez. And so the massive debate happens around El Paso. I mean, about it, right? So our host had set up for us to hear from the local FBI SWAT leader about the kinds of drugs and the kinds of gangs and the kinds of things that are coming over the border. But it didn't go down because the guy who was the FBI SWAT leader and he got busy doing something else. On the other hand, you can go up high at night and look down upon El Paso and Juarez and you can see and you can go down the interstate which borders the border during the daylight and you can see and you can see how incredibly different. You can see the large story playing out of what has been done to Mexico and Central America over the decades. And you basically, it's like a sports rivalry. How much of the story do you want to tell? I'll tell as much as makes my point. And both sides have a point, and it's difficult to sort. But when the church, as my friend's church is doing, when the church simply says, well, you are a person here, and I love you in the name of Jesus, whatever other issues are going on, because we are the body of Christ here, and there you are, an image bearer of Christ, the powers are being pushed back with a love that costs us. And there's way being made for Jesus' life and his reality and his glory to be seen. When we do this, friends, when we do this, we live into our true selves in ways that we would never achieve if we only looked inside ourselves to find our true selves. When we do this, we live into our true selves because our true self is bigger than we can see about ourselves. Because our true self is something God knows who gave us life and called us into being. And when we live this, 
get this. Do you ever notice this? I'm going to confess I never noticed this word in this passage until I was reading this past week. Instead, Paul says, we speak the wisdom of God hidden in a mystery that God determined before the ages for our glory. You ever notice that word? He determined it for our glory. This one is a perfect passive participle. Perfect is powerful because perfect means it was done in the past and yet it's completed, it's accomplished, it's finished, and yet it still has effect into the present. Jesus has died, right? Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. He's done it. It is finished, Jesus says from the cross. He is vindicated, he has risen, right? It's been done, but the ripples go on. It's passive. God is the one who has done this. In fact, he decided from before all time. Now, that is a staggering thought. But do you ever think that even the act of creation was for God an act of self-giving love? Even the act of creation itself, making space for others who would be as big a screwballs as we are. And somehow, mysteriously, he knows this. And he still goes through with it. And somehow, mysteriously, he knows that it will cost him his own self. In a, in a sense, and yet he still goes through with this. And that is amazing love. Perfect passive participle. It's just who God is. Noun verb. It's just who he is. And that is the energy and the life that, friends, is at the center of all that is. And God in Jesus, friends, is not trying to trick you. He's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to make life hard for you. He doesn't want you not to have fun. He wants glory for you. And somehow God, who's got a lot more room for risk than I do, somehow God lined it up that he created us, hoping that we would latch on to this idea beyond ourselves of who we might be and what it might all be about. And that's where Paul goes next. I want to say that if we present the gospel of Jesus Christ to our friends and neighbors and relatives well, then the reason to be true, and the Hebrew word for glory is kavod, which is heaviness. But it's a kind of heaviness. That's the, that's the kind of heaviness that Jesus has, which is, yeah, I know you're a mess, but I love you anyway, without freaking out over it. It's the kind of heaviness that knows the pain of the world and the realities of life and the depths in which we live, but also walks with a twinkle in the eye because there's a bigger story and a quiet confidence. And there's a steadiness and something to stand on. It's that kind of a heaviness. And God has, friends, done this in the hopes that our hearts will be large enough. How do we do that? By being vulnerable, honest, by accepting that we cannot do it on our own. We open up to God. We open up to what he has done in Jesus. We know that we are not alone. Friends, you carry the very secret of life itself. You carry the very secret of what is at the core heart of the entire universe, the self 
forgiving love that brought all things into being. And that love itself walks in you and with you. Paul goes on to say, God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. God is so great in the mind of Paul that how do you say this without being heretical? Part of God, you can't say that. The Holy Spirit, one of the Trinity, searches the deep things of God while still being in perfect unity with all of God. Doesn't make sense, does it? Who wants it if it makes sense? I mean, don't you want God to be bigger than our brain? I mean, I do. Amen. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. You know the secret of the whole universe. So in my covenant group, everybody gets their little check-in time, then we pray for them. A lot of these guys are, are men-men, right? Um, one of them played soccer for Florida State. He is, is, is absolutely the toughest man I've ever known, but gentle and humble. Shay starts to share And he's talking about how he's taking up boxing because Parkinson's wants to control your body and boxing is literally a way to fight back. And so he's taking up boxing. And he's talking about how now his cancer people in the church just want to be with him. And he's talking about how now when he preaches, everybody just listens that little bit more. And he's talking about how he's going on sabbatical. And he's going to spend the first couple weeks of his sabbatical making sure his insurance and his life insurance and all those things are sorted out. I'm telling you, it's not a dry eye. These men watching this guy, listening to him, care for his family, glory, glory shining in him already. This is his life mantra now. Parkinson's is real. I'm not going to live in denial. But it will not deter him living into his calling. He will be in front of his people, not looking so dignified, shaking, bending over, not being as sharp as he's used to being, but he will not be deterred from living into his calling. Parkinson's is real, but it will not define him. Who he is is a beloved child of God. Who he is. Parkinson's is real, but it will not be his destiny. His destiny is wrapped up in and with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray for us. I just invite you to just to be with the Lord. Think about the powers that are deterring you. 
powers that are trying to define you, powers that are getting in the way of you living into your destiny in the Lord of glory. I invite you just to sit with the Lord and open up to him about those things.